0: Hey there, Knicks fans! How you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for uh, the latest installment for the Knicks Film School podcast. <laughs> as someone refills their cocktail glass, I know this episode is coming at you on—I um, guess it's uh, probably Monday afternoon. Uh, but as always, uh, myself and uh, Oz and Yash are recording this right after the latest installment of the last dance we just saw episode seven and eight um i actually just poured myself a little bit of wine for this for this episode <laughs> um, i have not i despite the fact that today is my birthday i have not actually been drinking the last few hours so i'm i'm quite lucid um
1: did my, you enjoy our
0: gifts are we gonna start with the gift before we get into the episode uh sure <laughs> why not Uh, I mean, do one of you guys (laughs) want to do one of you want to tell the the folks at home what you got me for my birthday? Have at it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so we were wondering what to get the guy who has everything. And uh, that's great. (laughs) Bernard came up with the idea of uh, there's this app called Cameo, which allows you to get celebrities to record messages for people. Celebrities uh, in
0: big air quotes.
1: And, and well some of so the range of celebrities is is quite large. I mean, you could spend hundreds of dollars on you know, sports stars, reality stars, movie stars, whoever. Or Bernard and I were able to were, were able to track down Eddie Curry for 36 dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that what it'll cost?
1: 30, for, it 36? cost? 36 36 dollars. Wait, it gets better. Uh, For many of these stars, there's a multiple-day waiting list, obviously, because it takes time for them to find in their schedules to record a message for some random person.
0: And I I, I don't doubt that that is the case. Um...
1: We decided to do this barely a few hours before Eddie Curry found the time to record that message.
0: Well, listen, here, here, here's what I, I want to say. Three things. First of all, thank you. It was uh, it was a very, very kind gift. Uh, very. I mean, I, I the creativity, if this were like chopped to the creativity is off the chart. <laughs> Second thing I want to say is um, I Eddie Curry delivered what I what I can only describe as a genuinely heartfelt um, happy birthday wish to me. I feel
2: like kind of an asshole,
0: um, yeah, and that's the for, third thing that for, I was gonna say because i I feel it it kind of broke my heart a little bit, and that and i don't I don't mean to say that to disparage Eddie or wherever he is right now. It looks like he's maybe doing some construction work on his house or some ladders in the background um but it just you know it broke my heart this guy was a really, really, really fucking talented basketball player once upon a time, and uh you know anybody. If if I mean I know you guys have read it but anybody who's listening to this who hasn't read the player's tribune piece that Eddie penned it is um quite honestly it's one of the most devastating things you'll ever read how things just yeah you know, kind of went wrong for him. Um that said it did not lessen my <laughs> appreciation for two friends who would go out of their way to to get this gift for me. So thank you both. <laughs> and 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 Eddie and Eddie if if you're listening to this if you're out there Um, I mean, you are out there, obviously, because you sent me a birthday wish today. Um, If you happen to hear this, thank you for the birthday wish. It was genuinely appreciated. And, um, you know, I do hope you are you are doing well. Well, we're off to a rousing start. Um, (laughs) Bernard, do you want to give your initial impressions of Last Dance episodes seven and eight?
2: That closing moment at the end. Uh, man, this is it. You're gonna retire, Michael Jordan. Kind of. Oh man, it, it, it. Number one, it brought back a lot of childhood trauma things that Reggie Miller once did to me. But God, you gotta love that fucking swagger. Did
0: let me ask you, uh, Yash, you were you were younger for Reggie for for because you're what are you, Yash? Thirty? Uh, I always get this wrong. You're 31, right? 32.
1: I I just turned 30.
0: God, you're really not aging well, man. Um, <laughs>
1: Thank oh. you. <laughs> oh, by the way, happy
0: Happy Mother's Day to um, both of your, your moms, but especially to yours, Yash. I, I, really, the best decision she ever made was walking out of that clinic that day. I want to give a <laughs> quick round of applause. Anyway, so you're 30 years old. Um, you're 30 years old, so you don't. It's, it's no. And here's why I asked this specifically about Reggie. Reggie, I think, as anybody who watched Reggie could attest to, Reggie was not his stats. Reggie was something that existed in this like other ether of, but aside from the stats. We're, we're going off topic a little bit, but what what are what are your impressions of Reggie Miller?
1: Oh, I remember Reggie vividly because my dad is a diehard Knicks fan. That's right. And it, the only sport I watched when I was a kid until I was like 10, ten, eleven. Didn't watch anything else except basketball. It was the only thing on in our house. And uh, my dad and I would go to games together. And I have vivid, vivid memories. Okay. Of that 98 Bulls Pacer series. And it's still one of my all-time favorite NBA playoff series. So awesome. I'm really excited for that episode because, man, the Pacers got about as close as you could get to beating the Bulls in that series. And Reggie had one of the all-time great buzzer beaters in that playoff series and a game that the Pacers needed to win to remember that on a bad ankle and everything. And he's jumping around afterwards. So yeah, I second everything Bernard said Reggie was just a legend. and I, I remember his nine points and uh, or eight get points it, and get it seconds. right. It was
0: eight points in
1: eight points and nine seconds.
0: Yeah. Eight points and 8.9 we, seconds. Yeah. We don't yeah. have to talk about that. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to that episode. Um, I hope they give Jordan the monitor and uh, have him react to Reggie saying, uh, "I still think. What did he say? I still think we're the better team." Um, because
2: the, the the laugh, the Gary Payton laugh. Is let's what he's talking about because.
0: L- let's just talk about this for a second, please. Yes, go on.
2: I need to bottle that for every single time Josh projects a player's future in any sport. <laughs> This is really
0: it's, inside baseball right now. It's you're, very inside. You're baseball. getting into our tech conversation. No, it was
2: unbelievable. It is the most dismissive, prickish, asshole thing I've ever seen, and it brought the biggest smile to my face.
0: But it wasn't that he. Ju- it wasn't that he did it. He did it to Gary Payton, who, if there's one person, I feel like in NBA, in recent NBA history, I don't know back in like the 70s or 80s, but like the last 30 years who you would put on par with Jordan as a trash talker, right? It's Peyton. He's the only guy. Mm. And the
1: fact Kevin that... Kevin Garnett.
0: Yeah, KG, was,
1: KG KG's was... is a good call.
0: Yeah, that is a good call. Um, but it's like Jordan used this documentary to even topple Gary Payton as a trash talker. Um, and just absolutely... I mean, that was just an evisceration. It was fantastic. You can't beat that. Like, how do you... It's... Oh god, it was great. Um I also thought the opening line of the entire show tonight of episode 7 um, may he rest in peace, but the uh thanks a lot Craig. I I feel like I may use that at some point. Um when he asked the question about to Jerry Krause about this uh the backstabbing.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. That was, Hell yeah. That was pretty good. Um Yeah, but I, the, yeah, the GP thing, that was the best part of this episode. But there was also a lot of heartfelt moments in this episode. I, I'm curious, Yash, you have a a good relationship with your dad. Um, So maybe you're the best one to ask (laughs) as opposed to to me and Bernard. Those, the, the the, the dad stuff, Um, how how was that for you?
1: Okay. So on the one hand, it was very touching. It was, it was hard not to be affected by it. But on the other hand, I mean, there was a lot of darkness there between them going out gambling together after playoff games. and it, it, so that did ruin it a little bit for me, But at the same time, I mean, you, you can't help but your heart goes out to him because if he I mean to, have, to lose your father that way in this tragic, senseless act of violence, and then to see his reaction at the end. I mean, when he's on the floor, after winning that championship that was the best moment of this whole series i thought the most did, you know gut wrenching emotional moment so was it just
0: me i don't to- remember the audio like i obviously everybody rem- remembers the visual but like the audio of him audibly sob- uh, sobbing
2: i don't did you guys ever hear that before cuz i feel like i never did i've never heard that 100% never heard
1: that before. okay so
0: it's not just me i want i want to make sure i wasn't crazy yeah yeah uh, good good call
1: and that uh, in, you know, to build off what Bernard said about just Jordan's assholeness on full display in this episode, which God, I loved uh, oh, God. the disdain with which he calls Scott Burrell such a nice guy. <laughs> oh, it was exactly like a woman after a bad date talking about why she just wants to be friends with a guy and she's just repulsed at the idea of having sex with him.
0: Well, you would have as good an idea of uh, of what that feels like um, than anybody on this pod, at least. Um, Where are
2: your mouth at now, ho? Oh, my God. The ho. The repeated hoes. Everything ended with
0: a ho. It's like Santa <laughs> Claus there. Uh, boy. Oh, that was. Yeah, no, that was. Again, and it, it you have to throw in the the intentional choices that he made to put every every cuz obviously every my my wife asked me at one point during the episode she's like did he was he a producer on this i'm like a, a producer are you fucking kidding me you think there's a a second of dialogue in this that wasn't like directly from him like these
1: are all intentional things
0: he put in which i think speaks you know speaks volumes
1: was- as well this is like a uh, like a large scale version. His Hall of Fame speech was the trailer, and this is the movie. As far as just like, that's a good call. Wait, wasn't the Hall of Fame speech longer than this? Oh no,
0: it was it was long.
1: I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I mean, it it was it was like twenty minutes, and it, there was plenty in there. There was a lot of good material in there. But man, yeah, that that's what this feels like. It, it has that same vibe of that Hall of Fame speech.
0: Yeah, the the, the I like that they kind of made episode seven the I'm gonna show everybody how much of a dick I was, and then they re re upped it for the Kerr fight, which uh, that was pretty. I, I that was well told. Um, I would say, I, I oh man, that must have been something. Um, props to Steve Kerr, by the way.
1: Yes, yeah. he can't it's be 155
0: guys- pounds looking what.
1: Did you guys gain a new respect for Steve Kerr after watching that episode? Because I did.
0: I've always loved Steve. Kerr. I've all I, I, you took the words. I mean, I think we, um, you too. I think well, me, me, and me and Bernard definitely. I would imagine you too, Yash, ha, um, love Steve Kerr for for other reasons as well. Um, he's is he like the most? Like, I, I don't know. Is he? If like we, we all jo- people joke about it, if if one person could run for office in, in the NBA, it would have to be him, right?
1: Oh yeah, you know, pop. and and I'm glad you brought you, up. you say See? pop.
0: I, I mean, he's the other I'm one, but pop. like pop's old. He's
1: yeah, I mean, Biden.
0: Well, I, I I as soon
1: as the words left my mouth, I'm like, don't say that. Um, pop is is he's divisive in a way that like Steve Kerr. Everybody loves Steve Kerr, a, but yes. at the same time, he has no, that she- he, he's an activist. And I appreciate his activism. I appreciate when he gets involved. And people don't really get furious with him the same way as other sports figures because he just has this natural nice guy charm. But he also has enough backbone and enough fight to do it. So, yeah, I mean, he'd
2: be my pick as far Steve as... Steve Kerr is, is the Pete Buttigieg of NBA coaches as, uh, potential, okay. uh, as wow. potential presidential candidates.
0: Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just because, I, uh, as I told you guys, I was watching the Becoming uh, documentary on on Netflix before uh, The Last Dance started. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think Kerr has a little, little, little bit of uh, Obama in him in terms of just mm. like he knows I think, I, he knows how to say I like stuff.
1: Buttigieg. Don't get me wrong. No, you do. I you like, do like Buttigieg. Yeah, I um, like that comparison more than the Buttigieg one because you know Kerr comes off as qualified in a way that Obama did and that Buttigieg did not. So, yeah, there's currency I like there.
0: The, um, yeah, no, I, I liked how Kerr came off. Uh, let's. Um, before we turn this into a politics episode, which I'm sure you guys would love to do. Um, it was also fun watching this with my wife uh, not knowing a blessed thing about the Tony Kukoc game. She had no idea that that was ever a thing. So that was fun. Uh, it was not fun to relive that shot. It brought me back. That shot, oh my god, that shot brought me back. Ugh. See, that's why like the entire NBA world was so worried about fucking Scottie Pippen and the Bulls locker room except Nick fans who just destroyed. <laughs> you know.
1: I mean, the Knicks won the series in the end. It, it was well, and and how about? Well, let's
0: touch on that too. Um, no, I, I, I think we all. I'm shocked they didn't at least mention it. The yeah. you, the U-Hollands, uh game five call, but then again, it has something to do with Michael Jordan. So I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be shocked. I don't, mm-hmm. know, Bernard. What do you What do you think?
2: I feel like it deserves a little one line aside.
1: Yeah, some talking head has got to
2: have one sentence to say about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the trailer for the episode talked about how this was Phil's best coaching job. How do you not bring up that the Bulls, look, we're all Knicks fans, but they were arguably robbed in that game. And that series could have turned out very differently.
0: Well, I think we actually, you guys probably just hit on it, right? Because, and as I said before, Michael Jordan produced every second of this 10 hours. (laughs) mm. You're telling me there is not some piece of interview from Scottie Pippen in which... Or I'm assuming it would be Pippin, probably to be the one to say it. Of, or maybe even Phil. Somebody asking him, like, so if that call doesn't get made, do you think you guys win the championship? And them being like, oh, hell yeah.
1: Mm, yeah. Phil and Scotty definitely said something about it. And you nailed it, actually. Like, I'm, I'm shocked not one of us didn't bring it up sooner. Michael definitely had something left, to do. Uh, with. Left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because that season. I mean, the Bulls won exactly two fewer games without him. They won 55 games in a tough Eastern Conference. And, like, they beat the Knicks. That series, I mean, I, I like their chances against Balajuan's Rockets. So, yeah. Well,
0: you're assuming, all- hold on, you're assuming they get past Indiana, uh, which... they. Pr- I I, um, I, I th- they would probably because the best player usually I mean conference finals, best player in the series usually wins a series and Scottie Pippen would have been the best player. That's a, that would have been an interesting finals. Rockets mm, would. Rockets. Oh goals. man. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to think about. I don't know. Um they had I, I kind of think all the Rockets wins. might win. You think the Rock I mean, who the hell knows? There's not
2: a good there's not a good response for a Uh
0: well that was still Cartwright, who was on Right. Kind of the verge of being mummified at that point.
1: Exactly. But, I mean, Horace Grant was an all-star that year. B.J. Armstrong was an all-star that year. Like, Scotty on the perimeter defending. They would have had – it would have been a good series. I would have liked to have seen the series um, in a world where, you know.
2: Where you weren't a Knicks fan? Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like, in an objective basketball sense – I mean, I love Scottie Pippen, and I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit for well, what co- he. Accomplished
0: can we? Well, no, hold on. I I did want to touch on that before before we uh, get out of here. So for those who don't know, um, and I actually I I never realized. 90, so everybody always focuses on ninety three, ninety four in terms of Scottie's year that year, um, which we should say he finished uh, first team All NBA, third in the MVP voting. Um, I'll put you guys on the spot. Uh, I would hope that you know who won the MVP that year. Come on, somebody has to know.
1: Wasn't it Elijah Yes, it yeah. was Elijah and
0: and who finished I mean, second? I don't
1: know who finished second, but I thought was that the year Elijah won it's, like every. It's Robinson. Award?
0: Yes, very good. Um, two? It, it was Elijah won Robinson two, and Pippin three. Mm, yeah, yeah, it, but
1: yeah. like. Was that the year Elizjuan won like Defensive Player of the Year, First Team All NBA, uh, MVP? He there was one of those two years where he won like every award you could win.
0: Um, so Defensive Player of the Year that year was Hakeem Elizjuan. David Robinson also. So they both they let's. I don't, I wonder if that's ever happened in NBA history before where the same two players finished 1-2 for both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. And lo and behold, Scottie hmm. Pippen, who finished third in MVP, finished fourth in Defensive Player of the Year. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, by the way, Dennis Rodman, sixth in Defensive Player of the Year that year, playing for the um, San Antonio Spurs. Um, hmm. So,
2: yeah. I who mean, was ahead of Pippen? Uh,
0: in Defensive Player of the Year, to Mutombo. Yeah, yeah. Eight-time uh, eight time yeah, All-Star to come in to sense, you. That makes sense,
1: actually. Yeah, I mean, d- defense of the five was valued more back then than it is now. Uh, let me. And uh,
0: that's it's the actually a. It's a fantastic top ten list. I'll just read it down for you: Hakeem Robinson, Matumbo, Pippen, Gary Payton, five, Rodman, six, a tie for seventh between Mookie Blaylock and Nate McMillan, uh, oh. nine, oh. one, Charles Oakley, ten, Horace Grant. Those are your defensive player mm, of the year. That's a
1: fun list. That's a you really know, since, fun list. Since we're talking about that season, can we talk about the, I'm glad they debunked the ridiculous Jordan-David Stern secret suspension conspiracy. Because we're just talking about what a great year I mean, the NBA had that year without Michael Jordan. And 10 million fewer people watched the NBA Finals that year. With the Knicks and the Rockets, two of the biggest markets in the league. And ten million fewer people still watched because Michael Jordan wasn't playing. The idea that David Stern did a secret suspension of Michael Jordan and nobody had a smoking gun is ridiculous. And I'm glad the documentary debunked that.
0: I, I I agree with you. I thought Sterns again, may he rest in peace. I thought Stern's snippet in that was he added that thing at the end, like if you want. Like if you want me to jump up on the table, like you know, I'm not gonna do that. And he was like, "It was." He
2: had a little fucking smirk on his face the entire time.
0: Oh man, isn't that just so? That's so fucking stern. Um, it's so stern. It really. He, you want to talk about someone? There will never be another one of. There will never fucking be <laughs> another David Stern. Probably for the best. Um. Anyway, just back to Pippen, that 93-94 season. Obviously, first team All-NBA, third MVP. 94-95, which again, all but 17 games played without Jordan, despite the fact that the Bulls were not good, still finished seventh in the MVP voting that year. Back-to-back seasons, by the way, 93-94, 94-95. He averaged 2.9 steals, um, 94-95, that led the league. Um, And then his averages, both years, he was basically 22- um, eight and six, uh, and and the steals. Like,
2: God, that's a fucking good player. I yeah.
0: I, I didn't look it right up, but player. I don't think anyone over the last two NBA seasons has averaged those counting stats. Um, not to mention, um, over a block a game in ninety four, ninety five. I mean, just insane, just absolutely insanity. I
1: just,
2: I, I if yeah. I
0: could write one NBA book, tell me what you guys think of this. Maybe someday I'll get an opportunity to do this. I would do a like an ultimate deep dive into what would Scottie Pippen have been without like playing on his own team for his whole career. Like, where would he be ranked in the annals of NBA history if he had his own team?
2: I think that's a fantastic
1: idea.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how the fuck I would do it, but that that to me, if I could write one NBA book, that that would be the book.
1: I mean, I would read that book. He's such a – but he was such a perfect fit for that triangle offense, which I know, trigger warning Bernard, sorry. But, (laughs) I mean, he was the ideal point forward for that system. Uh, It's tough to imagine what he would have done without Phil Jackson. I think he needed Phil Jackson. He may not have needed Michael Jordan. I mean, clearly they were still a very good team without Michael Jordan in that season. But I think he needed Phil Jackson to maximize his skill set as a passer, as a defender, you know. So it's it's tough. I mean, You're are telling you good- me that
2: Pat Riley or George Carl couldn't have gotten greatness out of him?
1: Greatness, sure. But I, I think he needed Phil to hit the level that he did that 94 season to really maximize his abilities. I thought that system was perfect for him.
2: Who, who was the coach in Portland when he went there
0: oh god that's actually a great question it was i i want say it was um was it dunley i'll look it up right now my guess is going to be Dunleavy. um but don't forget yeah, he had that,
2: to, that's he, that's not in the category of of phil jackson he was still well a hold damn on good he had
0: player, at least the first he had one season in Houston um in ninety eight ninety nine that was tom jonovich that was the strike yeah, short season huge. They were well. That that team went thirty. Let's talk about this. They that team went thirty-one and nineteen. They lost in the first round to the Lakers, a Lakers team that would wind up getting defeated by the Jazz, who would wind up getting defeated by the Spurs, who would wind up beating the Knicks. So it's not yeah. like that Rocket team was anything special, despite the fact that it had Hakeem Olajuwon, um, Charles Barkley, and. Did they still have Clyde? Uh, I'm looking at the roster right now. They did not have Clyde, so they had Scotty and yeah. Charles. Um, yeah.
1: So that was, I mean, Scotty and Charles hated each other. That team just didn't mesh well together. And then Scotty left immediately afterward because they just
0: had too many. And that and, season
1: was a fucking mess, too.
0: That season was a mess, and and but for what it's worth, that season Scotty averaged 14.5 uh, points, six and a half rebounds five assists, uh, a steal and a half and a half a block. Like he was uh, played in all 50 games. He was 33 years old at that point. That's, you know, and then his numbers in Portland for all four years, he was between 11 and 12 and a half points. He was always uh, all but the last season. No, actually, sorry. For all of those seasons, he was right around five, five and a half assists. And he was always around five rebounds. I mean, like, the dude was putting up
1: numbers until he was 37 fucking years old. Yeah. Really good. I remember those Blazers teams pretty vividly, too. He was the heart and soul of them. He was. Absolutely. He was. And the numbers, the points are depressed a little bit by those teams were really built on their depth. They had a lot of guys who were capable of scoring. And, you know, there's only one ball to go around. Like, so it was, I mean, yeah, he was only averaging 12 points a game, but like 12 points a game on that roster where you had six, seven guys in double figures how, on any given night. How about this?
0: You want to talk about a crazy fucking stat? So the Blazers team, his first year, this is, I love going down these these rabbit holes. The, the um, after this we'll end it. So the first Blazers team. Um, Not before
2: I talked about baseball.
0: <laughs> we're yeah, well, Okay, we're going to end on baseball. Um, but okay, so real quick on this that first Blazers team that he was on, the team that took, um, that should have beaten the Lakers in game seven and, and lost a 15 point lead um, to Kobe and Shaq. Here is that was their. Awesome oh, my God. Well, here, let me read you off. These are the leading scorers. And listen, to this, the leading scorer on that team, you guys, all, I'm sure, will know, is Rashid Wallace. How many points a game do you think Rashid Wallace averaged? 15? 16? 16. 16 and a half. Next leading mm. scorer, Steve Smith, 14.9. Scotty Pippen, third, 12.5. Damon Stoudemire, fourth, 12.5. Arvidas Sabonis, fifth, 11.8. Bonzi Wells,
2: sixth,
0: 8.8 mm. 8 points a game. Detlef shot. had more than
2: Detlef? Oh, Detlef man. was
0: seventh, 7.5 points a game. After that, Brian Grant, Greg Anthony, Gary Grant, and your eleventh leading scorer on the ninety nine two thousand Portland Trailblazers, Jermaine O'Neal, three point nine points wow. per game.
2: Was that oh. his rookie year? Second uh, year?
0: That was his. No, that was his.
2: Actually, that was his. <laughs> that,
0: was his <laughs> that was his fourth year in the league. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Wow. He went to Indiana the next year and promptly uh, blew up. Yeah.
1: He crazy shit. Just crazy. Because of, because of how deep that roster was. I mean, that those teams were, those Blazers teams were very good.
0: Don't trade Kevin Knox. V- Bernard, uh, close, us, close us up with some baseball, please.
1: Oh.
2: So as our, our resident baseball geek, let me give a, a, a quick rundown on Jordan. I, I believe that he would have made the majors if he played in the minors for three more years just because it would be a good marketing stunt. Um, but the dude hit 202 with a 289 on-base percentage and a 266 slugging percentage. For you non-baseball fans, slugging is basically how much <laughs> power you have for in a year, how many times you get a home run.
0: Listen, uh, if people listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure they know what the fuck slugging
2: percentage is. I have no idea. I would hope so. Dolores even knew that he was, uh, that he was, uh, Dolores is one of the six people that all have made it this far into the podcast. And she <laughs> don't even know he played baseball.
0: <laughs> this is, well, no, no, no. She she remembered he played baseball. She didn't remember that he was, that he had any modicum of success. And actually, it's interesting the, that you're making this argument because Dolores' reaction as we were watching was like, wow, I didn't realize he even did that well. So it's it's interesting coming at it from two uh, different viewpoints, obviously.
2: 202
0: is not what good. what it looks
2: like when an elite athlete goes up there and tries to play baseball. He has a, this this slow – he has slow hands for a baseball player. He has this slappy swing. He looks like a right-handed Juan Pierre. Oh my God. Uh, and guy, <sighs> guys like that, they need to be left-handed because you save half a second getting down the line to first base. He had no power. He had three home runs oh. in one year. Not a credible baseball prospect. And though it pains me to admit this because I cannot stand performative religion, Tim <laughs> Tebow, better prospect <laughs> than Michael Jordan. That's you
0: know, it. I, I've just lost half my listeners. Did, did you not know the Christian right is a huge, huge, huge <laughs> base
1: yes. of the next <laughs> film School Podcast? Um. You know, so I agree completely on your point about performative religion. I can't stand it either. And unlike the two of you, I actually do believe in religion. But anyway. Um, wow. Jesus Christ. Now you've now all of
0: my listeners, I am canceled. Thank you again, so Yash.
2: I, You're not as canceled as Jeremy
1: Piven, who showed up in this episode.
0: Oh, no. that was talk about random. Anyway. Uh, yes, Yash, continue, please.
1: One last thing, just so we can end on a basketball point. Again, Jerry Reinsdorf's cheapness fucks the Bulls. If he just pays Horace Grant coming off an all-star season, and you saw the effect it had on the Bulls, why are they so much worse? They didn't have a big man, and it really hurt them in that Magic series. And if they they just pay Horace Grant, they probably won a championship that season too.
0: I I mean it's a far longer one. What if than we have time for right now? Because that gets into well, what happens next year with Rodman and the whole thing? Because um, Horace Grant obviously deteriorated um, uh, rather quickly. Um, I want I would want to go back and look at that Pacer team. I mean, the only thing I remember about that Pacer team is the the uh, the finger roll game, um, yeah. and of course the eight points in in eight point nine seconds. That was not a bad Ugh. Pacer team. Um, no, it wasn't a bad Pacers team. I mean, they were. I, I still, like, talk about it, I, I still think we were the better team. I still think the Dicks were the better team that year. Um, Could that Pacers team have beat the Bulls with Horace Grant? I guess pro- eh, probably not. I mean, um, Horace
1: Grant was still good. And, you know, I went and looked at his stats the next three years for the duration of the Bulls three He was still pretty much a double double guy 12 points, nine rebounds a game. it was a rock. No. He wasn't Dennis Rodman, obviously. And, you know, 96, 97, they were the better team by a considerable margin that they probably win championships. Do they lose in 98 to a great Pacers team with Horace Grant instead of Dennis Rodman? Probably. But I just bring it up as a... Look, they, they made up for not paying Horace Grant by making a bold move and getting Rodman. But it's just another example of Jerry Reinsdorf being a cheap fuck who doesn't actually value these players as human beings, just commodities, and it backfires on him, and it backfired on him there. Um,
0: that's a that is a noble stance of you to take, Yash, to uh, close the pod here. By the way, who did Horace Grant end his career with? That would be the Los Angeles Didn't Lakers. <laughs> no, he was actually never on the Knicks. Believe it or not. He- <laughs> <laughs> No, I think yeah. you're thinking of a different Grant. Um, I believe, I believe I'm going to look it up right now. Harvey Grant had a cup of coffee on the <gasps> Knicks. Am I right?
2: Oh, yes, that that is who I'm thinking
1: of. Wait, no, oh, he didn't either. Uh, who am I? am thinking of someone else. To- what? I thought you were going to talk about Jeremy Grant for a second.
0: Well, Jeremy Grant had a, we. he had a, I think maybe that's what we're both thinking of. Um. Harvey Grant had a cup of coffee with the Sixers. Um yeah. All right, we've now lost the rails. We can't see the rails anymore. The rails are gone. <laughs> um any other uh closing closing thoughts from you guys before we get out of here?
2: Yeah, MJ with the bat and the cigar. Oh. That oh. was great. God. <sighs> that, that's where Negan comes from in The Walking Dead. That that's it it, it was unbelievable. Just the angriest human being you could imagine.
0: Um did you also notice he – I don't know if you picked up on this. He had the cigar in his mouth, and then he had another cigar in the little mug in the locker.
2: I didn't. That's amazing. Oh,
0: my – yeah, I know. I was like – because I saw the cigar in the mug, and I'm like, oh, he, it, like, he must have put it down. And then I looked up, and like, no, he still had the cigar in his mouth. There's two cigars. Um, God bless MJ. Uh, Yash, any closing thoughts from you?
1: Yeah, the Space Jam scrimmages were fantastic. I Uh, loved doing that. Good call. And uh, I I can't wait for this next episode. Reggie Miller, I mean, that Pacers Bull series, I hope they spend a good chunk of time on it because it it was such a great series.
0: Um, I am most excited to hear what Michael Jordan has to say about Calm Alone. That's... (laughs) mm because he's had some he's had some in the bag for let's go through it now really quick uh Isaiah Thomas for Patrick Ewing for Clyde Drexler um
2: I have I mean, f- Gary Payton I hope somebody Ga- has Gary- checked on him after tonight
0: yeah somebody <laughs>
2: <laughs> Somebody check on the
0: club. Um I have a funny feeling he may have something in store for Carl Malone, who stole, by the way, um his MVP uh that year, Lest We Forget. So that'll be He also be-
1: He also stole food out of his own child's mouth by not paying child support. Oh my god, we almost <laughs> yeah. got through the whole
0: episode without Anything? Yeah, no, we're, we've gone far enough. Andrew, leave it in. I mean, he say, listen, he, he didn't pay child support. I mean, that is a, that is a documented fact. I would imagine, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a real piece of shit human being. So I just couldn't oh, help myself. Okay,
0: all right, uh, we're we're done here now. Thank you. Happy
1: Mother's Day, everybody.
2: <laughs> see you guys next week.
0: Uh See everybody next week. It's a pleasure as always. Giddy up.